In Exodus chapter 17, uh, the Israelites have the first fight that they're actually involved in, and I'd kind of like to go through that this morning. Um, Leading into that, they've been brought out of Egypt miraculously. Remember the plagues that had taken place, and they have had an encounter with the Egyptian army where God intervenes miraculously drowns them in the Red Sea. This battle that they're moving into involves them fighting. And in some ways, you know, I I think it's almost like a picture of when we come to Christ, oftentimes there are so many things happening that are miraculous and big, and we're kind of going, I could just see this going on forever and ever. And God's saying, well, there's some other things that you're going to have to get involved in, and I'm going to have you getting your hands dirty and taking on things that you never anticipated. In fact, uh, leading into this, and this is out of Exodus chapter 17, you have uh, them getting to a place in the desert called Rephidim where there's no water. And and so people are going, what on earth is going to happen here? You know, and of course they're looking at Moses and saying, this guy leads us to a place of death, stone him. And that makes Moses nervous, of course. He goes to God, and and, uh, God provides. And so in this setting, it says, uh, take your walking stick, the one that you use to strike the Nile and to get to the rock in Mount Sinai. Strike the rock, the water will pour out for the people to drink. And he did this, and it happened, which is amazing. Now, you know, I, I don't know... Exactly, you know, the details of this, there are stories told of that region of the world where water would gather in these wadis, and the mineral deposits would fill up as it was leaking out, and eventually you'd get kind of a crystalline shape that sometimes shepherds knew to, to, when they spotted it that there would be water in these things that strike and water would come out. But the miracle is it's going to take care of a couple million people, the location, the time, you know, there, but there are other things connected later on because they're going to encounter a rock and God's going to tell them just speak to it. So there are things associated with this that make me wonder, you know, how it all came about. But the association also is that the power of God being used with this walking stick, you know, remember how it started in the bush, uh, the fiery bush? Uh, Moses is there, he goes to see it. And in that encounter with God, God says, throw down your rod, it becomes a snake, and then God says, pick it up by the tail. You know, which is, that's a, that's a test of faith, right? I mean, the only snake I want to pick up is headless. I don't care. I, but pick it up by the tail, even that doesn't make sense to me. But that's what God tells, he does it, it works. He goes in with this to Egypt and gives this demonstration. Then later on, they strike the Nile. And at one point, he sends off Aaron to use his rod to to bring on a plague. This is building up somewhere anyway, so just setting the background. He called that that place testing and, and complaining, but... In God's provision of that, I would think that in the desert, 
is about the safest place to be away from war. They're living off of manna. They're having to have miracles for water. And yet a nomadic group comes up to them and says, this desert isn't big enough for the two of us. And, you know, just the logistics of bringing in a group with enough food and water and everything else to even have a fight is, is amazing to me. But it, it speaks to the fact that you don't get to necessarily choose when things come your way or even fights. And you may think this is not the appropriate setting. If anything, this should work out well. And you might be going, we've seen the hand of God provide for us miraculously. We assume that's going to happen again. He'll just strike them dead. No, you're going to have to get into this fight. A statement had been made earlier in this book that the Lord had not led them through the Philistine country, which was the short route, but had taken them around in the desert because he was afraid that if they encountered battle, that they would give up and run, back, or run away. So he's led them out into the desert. Now here's their first battle. Okay. When the Israelites were at Rephidim, this is verse 8, they attacked them, were attacked by the Amalekites. A nomadic tribe is all we know about them. So Moses told Joshua, Have some men ready to attack the Amalekites tomorrow. I will stand on top of a hill holding this walking stick that has the power of God. Joshua led the attack as Moses commanded. Moses and Aaron and Hur stood on top of the hill. Israelites fought the Amalekites. As long as Moses held up his arms, they started, they were winning. But when his arms went down, they started losing. How long can you hold your hands up like this? Sometimes when we're worshiping, it takes me about 30 seconds. And I'm going, eh, you know, I'm not liking this. Um, Maybe it's worship, maybe, I don't know. It, you know, and I'm asking, God, do you want them up or down? I, you know, whatever you guys go through. I, but the idea that somebody's life might be dependent on that? Oh, I didn't like them anyway. No, I, you know, but it, it would have been brutal, right? Yeah, it's, it's wrong. But at some point you realize, I just can't do this. And yet, you're, you're acknowledging that every time they come down, there's trouble. Aaron, hold this for a while. It's not working either. And in this, you know, in Corinthians, we learn that each has a job to do. You know, every, every part of the body has a place. Every person has, a, has something that's of them. Moses has his role in this moment in leadership, and no one else is going to fit that. And he's got Aaron and Hur with him. Joshua is down there fighting with sticks as well. You know, in, in that day... The weapons would have been knives and sticks and whatever else you could find. But, you know, for them to be doing hand-to-hand, Moses is up on top. 
why is the power of God evident in that stick? You know, <laughs> you know me, symbols aren't my thing. Some of you, they are. I mean, tattoos are symbols, right? And they have meaning for you. In our home, the only reason we have pictures on the walls is because our kids come in and say, you've got to do something. And they, they put a picture up there, and then they leave. And, you know, and we're going, oh, that looks nice. We don't, we don't think of it. Even for me, for years, the cross was just one of those, I don't care. One of the first things I did here, there was a, I can admit it now, I'm 14 years into this. I cut a cross and painted it, put it back up on the wall, and nobody noticed because it looked good. Until I was bragging to the guy that had made it one day. <laughs> he didn't appreciate it quite as much. Um, but for me, you know, it's, it's a symbol, great. But there was an importance attached to this thing that I can't deny. And God was showing his power in that intercession, and he was also making a declaration, the only way you're getting victory is through me. And as Moses intercedes, and as he acknowledges my hand in this, then you're going to have victory. That's another important point, is that if God calls us into battle, victory is available. Even in the desert, and even though we're untrained, and even though we haven't been through this experience before, the opportunity's there. So he's getting, his hands are up, they're getting weary, and eventually... Aaron and her are going, well, here, let's get a stone. So they're brought into the equation of helping the one that's holding his hands up. And then, okay, we'll hold your arms. And I'm sure they were exhausted as well. But that whole picture of intercession is powerful to me, even on, on the scale of them stepping in and assisting another in the ministry that's going on. I mean, you can look at it at a, at a number of levels. Um, maybe, maybe in family life, holding up your hands to the Lord symbolically, but that intercession, it, it might be life and death. The calling out to God. Maybe in, in, a, in the church setting, again, that intercession before the Lord is life or death for individuals. And there's an importance that goes beyond, you know, individually, we're so bent that way, we say, well, I'll just go do my fights myself. And in this setting, that wouldn't have worked, would it? And so maybe there are corporate things that we're to discover out of this that says, each has its place. And maybe you won't survive if you choose to do your own thing. Or maybe it is highly important that you see someone that's doing something 
and you go assist them, even though you're not necessarily getting the credit. There's another really interesting picture out of this because, you know, Aaron is in the support role here, but whose walking stick ends up in the ark of the covenant that, that indicates the glory of God? It's Aaron's, right? It's not Moses's. Aaron's in a power encounter regarding leadership and his role as a priest. And his, his rod is the one that blooms and produces almonds. They put it in the ark. Here's an here's a interesting thought. Maybe Moses didn't make it because, remember, he struck a rock later on when he's told to speak to it. And it had become a weapon of violence instead of the glory of God. And it also, in that measure was someone who was assuming that the presence of God was going to come out in anger at the complainers. You know, remember, he's, he's trashing them, and, and we have to do this to keep, you know, he strikes it. You know, and, and God comes through, and there's water. But what was really wanted was him to speak. Almost like, say to this mountain, be moved. You want to carry that link. The power of the word, in some ways, was, was given, we were given a picture through this in the Old Testament. And so what happens often, even in our Christian life, is that what comes out of us is an angry response when really water of life is what's being asked for. And a speaking to the rock and saying, change this situation. So there's, there's so much in the way of picture here to grab onto. What if, what if you truly understood that your words brought life? Water in the desert, so to speak. And that the declaration of the obvious that you're with complainers is not really what God's asking for in that moment. That's the challenge, isn't it? Just speaking truth. That's what I do. Well... <laughs> Maybe that's not the truth he's asking you to speak right then. But he's wanting you to declare that there's life available in this rock even. That the glory of God might be known. So, um, I'm looking at, at these things and, and I'm going... I take it even a step further. Okay, Moses has his job. Aaron and her have their job. Joshua and the army has their job. And together they, they win a victory. But it's each carrying out their roles, so to speak. You know, so, so take that into family life and you start applying it and saying, well, each of us has things that we need to do 
that bring health overall. And there's a divvying up of roles, and, and, and that's, that's understood, but even there's facets of life that we need to take care of that if we abandon one and try to do the other, it just doesn't get it done. How many know that if you go to the casino and, and, and spend a thousand bucks and come home and try to be all lovey-dovey, it's just not going to work? Now, I'm not advising you to go there at all, but just saying. I can waste a thousand bucks without going. I have that ability. Not a true gift, but (laughs) I've developed it over the years. And if you don't go below the thousand bucks, but you don't talk or communicate, you don't really get things done either, do you? Or if you, you know, all these different facets, if you refuse to to be disciplined in, in the roles, the chores that are needed, it, it, it brings harm on the other. And yet, as we look at, and you, don't, you can't overcompensate and say, well, I do a really good job with the chores, that way I don't have to take care of these other things. It just doesn't happen, right? Each of those facets has to be dealt with. Each of those areas needs to be applied. And, and, but in the Lord, that's available to us. And so I look at that and, and I'm going, you know, if you, you put it into business and, and, you know, some guys are very good at landing work and jobs. They have this friendship in the community. They just have leads, you know, they're able to get it done. Others are more the skills people, and you know, or some are the administrators, and some are the managers. You got to go there and do this, but it it works when there's this meshing and, and appreciation for each other's giftings and a willingness to say, when we work together, all of us prosper in this. And and that's what the picture of a church is as well back to that again. But it's that acknowledgement and in the Lord, every facet has its importance and he's willing to speak and use that and develop us for his glory. So I read this particular story and, and you know, we're, it wouldn't be there except that there are principles for us to discover and that are fit today. You know, are we going to be out in the desert and needing a stick to raise the... I don't think so. Particularly if we continue living in this area. We get our day of desert, you know, (laughs) once a year and that's it. But uh, there's still the same God that we're participating in. And the true intercessor of our lives, Jesus Christ, is standing in that gap interceding for us, 
And there's also opportunity for us to take on exploits for him and see victory. And we don't get to just say, well, Jesus, you do it all. You know, you split the Red Sea and you drown the Egyptians, take care of the Amalekites. But he calls us into activity and in doing what we can do. Still with the knowledge in our hearts that unless he intervenes, it's not going to happen. But as we step forward in confidence in him, and as we look to his intercession, and acknowledge that he does intervene, and does provide, and does care, then there will be victory for our lives as well. It's an amazing thing. Wonderful thing. What a privilege for us to come together and say, I can appreciate what you do. I see what you're doing, and it's, it's valuable. And to look at another and say, I think I need to help you. <laughs> Sit on this rock. Let me hold your hands for a while. Because I see there's an effect of what you're doing, and, it, and it's wondrous. And I want to be a part of that, and I want to participate in it. And that, that, that gets seen at so many levels. God will prompt our hearts and say, you can do something here. You know, I, I, if I had been Aaron or her, I'd be looking and going, how come him? But that's what God chose. And so they step in and do what's needed and victory comes. Lord, help us to take that on and embrace it for our own lives, for this church, for our family. Lord, we thank you for your scripture that speaks life to us, the principles of life that are contained in it. What an honor it is to have you interceding for us. Help us to acknowledge the work of your Spirit. I pray that over this church, there would be an awareness of your hand guiding us, that we recognize gifted individuals and be hand lifters with them. We pray, Lord, that you will, in our families, cause us to see the importance of calling unto you, doing our best, but acknowledging that it's your hand that makes a difference. Then, Lord, too, we ask that you will help us to be a people that speak forth life, that water would come, refresh the desert. We love you this day. There have been times when I've excused myself for not speaking because I tend to be a quiet person. It's easy in family life to just kind of shut down and do that. Moses excused himself because he, he, didn't, he stuttered, he mumbled. And yet God gave him a, an opportunity to speak for rivers of life to come out of rock 
And I just wonder, you know, how often you know, we would dismiss ourselves and say, well, that's not my true gifting or nature or ability. And God really wants a declaration. He wants the acknowledgement of Him that uh, in symbol and in fact has some power connection. And He wants the Word to come out that speaks life. Lord, we ask that You will guide us into that. I ask that each one here knows the fullness of favor that You intend for their lives to discover with joy the forgiveness of sins, the release of fear, the removal of guilt and shame, and the acknowledgement that in any kind of spiritual battle there's an opportunity for victory in You. I also ask the Lord that as each one goes into the community that You'll give them words of life to speak over others. Let this be a year where your word goes out. The water of life flows in these streets. May our deeds be fitting with the workings of your kingdom. May we be loving toward all. Enable us with the supernatural, we pray. We love you this day. We lift up your name. We honor you great salvation. Amen. God bless you.